Welcome to the Seven Resolutions Podcast. It's a podcast that debunks self-help and turns to God for real transformation power. With Carl Clausen and Jeremy Slager, you're going to discover the seven key resolutions that make life transformation possible. Now, Carl, I want to start this podcast by letting those listening get to know you a little bit better. Let's do it. For any listeners that are in Chicago, they may have seen your picture on the interstate billboards as the host of Moody Radio's morning show, Carl and crew. (laughs) And you're known around here for your enthusiasm for Jesus and your desire to see every person grow in their faith. So it was a little bit of a surprise when I started reading your book, and it started in a very different place. (laughs) And I want to read the first couple paragraphs so that anybody listening to this can, can get that same picture. You wrote, The drapes over the window and the doors hung, torn and sagging, like the souls of everyone in the dimly lit room that night. I had never met the man who sat across from me. He stretched out to hand me the clear glass pipe freshly loaded with crystal meth. I took a hit, and in a moment, the drug's rush was followed quickly by crushing condemnation. I could taste and touch the evil in that dark room. Demons dropped their disguise and went all out. My mind was being assaulted by cruel and vile words. You're done, you piece of garbage. Call yourself a Christian, but you know, Carl, what a complete loser you are. Quit pretending to have found God. If people knew the real you, they'd trash you and your weak God. So the question I have in, Ooh, that's heavy, isn't it? <laughs> in a few minutes is how did you go from that room to this recording studio? Oh, my goodness, Jeremy. First off, thanks for taking the time to do this. Uh, it's all the grace of God. And when I say grace of God, I don't throw that word around. Uh, When I say grace of God, I mean the power of God to do in us what we can't do in ourselves, And uh, that's why the byline of the book is where self-help ends and God's power begins. And this story that you just read, that happened three weeks, I believe it's three weeks, give or take a few days, right after I was truly born again. The transformation was radical. It was real. It was palpable. Now I've fallen into, I'm a derailed disciple, I'm in a ditch, and Satan's telling me, you're never going to get a win in life. And so you say that this book is about winning your biggest battles. Becoming a child of God, you write, means beating addictions, altering destructive behaviors, and killing bad habits that you've grown accustomed to or written off as unwinnable. Yeah. Yeah. What makes you confident that these seven resolutions are able to accomplish that? I believe they're woven like a red thread of redemption all the way through Scripture over and over again. I'm not going to say there's any second-class citizen-type verses in Scripture, but there are some core principles that are repeated over and over again. For instance, every time God calls us, to action. It's always linked to a greater reward. Always. Now, it may be down the road, but it's always linked to a greater reward. That's a truism of scripture. That isn't even one of my resolutions, but one of my resolutions is join God. Why? Because over and over again, God calls us to join him, not him join us. So I see these woven everywhere through scripture, 
Some of these resolutions are somewhat familiar. Some of them are totally unfamiliar, or we've only seen them in kind of the public sphere of self-help books, like time management and the like. And some of them we've just ignored to our own peril, like uh, killing sin. So yeah, it runs the gamut, but they're woven all the way through the body of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. So you see that red thread through Scripture, but how did you see that thread through your own story? Oh, yeah. Uh, trial and error, I got to tell you, man. <laughs> uh, no, in all seriousness, I I have learned more from my failures than I ever have from my victories. Uh, you want to you wanna follow a guy that can stumble and fall, follow me. And I'm hitting myself a little bit hard. The truth is, as I've gotten older and wiser, I'm getting massive victory in my life. Where before there were things in my life that I thought, yeah, some of these things aren't winnable. And then I realized, no, 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 no. The problem here is that the, the, the ground I've been fighting this battle on was up to me to get the battle won. Therein lies the problem. And that's why the book. Because these resolutions get you connected to God's power and get this works box checking performance mentality. It just scraps all of that religiosity and puts on the front burner the power of God to do in you what you can't do in yourself. Mm. I love that. It, you write again in the book that we sing about trusting God, <laughs> but we live like we're trusting self. Yeah. yeah. And as I think about that line, I think when I think through the, the songs that are popular right now, particularly in like the Christian music, uh, industry, so many of them are about God fighting our battles and so much about finding our victory through him. Yes. Why do you think that there is a disconnect between what we sing and what our lives actually look like? Beautiful question. It's because we have, for some reason, especially here in the Western world, so if you're listening to this right now and you live in any country generally outside of America— I don't think you're going to be near as afflicted with this. Uh, you will somewhat, but not as much. But in the Western Christian kind of mindset, somewhere along the line, we got into self-sufficiency. We, we thought we got it going on. We became the church of Laodicea. Didn't even mention this in the book, so this is for free. But, uh, you know, they, were, they thought that they were rich. They thought they had it all together. And what had they done? They had pushed Jesus out of the house. So he was knocking on their door to get back in. Wow, what a picture. A church of committed Jesus followers who have booted Jesus out of the house. That's what's going on. And what boots Jesus out of the house? It's self-sufficiency, thinking you got it going on. Pretty quick, you got no time for the real Jesus. So we can sing about, this is how I fight my battles. Yeah, I love that song. But the only way to really fight them is by utter humble dependence on God. I say in the book, and maybe I'm getting ahead here, but we got we to gotta say this multiple times anyway. The way to walk with Jesus is the way you come to Jesus. Broken, dependent. The problem is we think we find Jesus and his power and salvation, broken and dependent, and then by golly, we better get up on our own strength and get going. Fatal flaw number one is thinking we've got to make this faith work. Mm. 
it reminds me of how Jesus started out the Beatitudes, where he says, blessed are the poor, poor in spirit. In spirit. <laughs> when you're spiritually bankrupt, you are positioned for everything God wants to give you. The problem is, that's how we're born again, but that big word for growing up called sanctification, salvation, we think we got to be, man, we got to be broken at the end of ourselves. You're right. And we think sanctification, we better get busy honoring God. The problem is we need to stay broken and humble. That's how we both get saved and sanctified. Fancy word for growing up. What is it in your life that keeps you humble? Oh, you know, uh, that's, boy, you're going to have a bunch of good questions, so I better quit saying that every time. <laughs> um, God puts me out over my skis all the time. And I seem to let my mouth overload my booty in that I, I sometimes say yes when God's telling me to do something. And I go, sure, I'll go do that. God in his goodness knows I can't do that in my own strength. So, I mean, we planted a church in a really tough area in downtown Chicago, tough to reach. I mean, it's not like an area where there's a bunch of Jesus followers that migrate into downtown Chicago and they're just hungry to have someone open a church and you build it, they'll come. That ain't what's happening. So this church plant has caused me to be on my face before the Lord. God puts me in situations that I can't do without him. And now I've learned that's the best place to be. Uh, what keeps me humble, too, is a bride that calls me up short constantly. Uh, 34 mm -hmm. years of marriage to her, and she's, I've given her the green light, and she's taken it gladly <laughs> to... Uh -huh. uh, bust my chops on things that need to change. Those are all valuable things, buddy. Mm -hmm. That's just a couple. I got a whole grocery list of things that keep me humble. Yeah, you want to keep those friends or spouses close that are willing to, to yeah. call out those rough edges because humility is such a hard, hard thing to find. I remember I was in school at Moody Bible Institute and I had a professor, Dr. Neely. Yes. Um, and he would always say the, the pulpit is the most dangerous place for the unsanctified ego. Oh, and dangerous for you and your listeners. Yes. And I, I asked him that same question. I was like, Dr. Neely, how do you keep yourself humble? And he gave actually a very similar answer to you. He looked at me a little bit confused. He said, Mr. Slager, I don't keep myself humble. God does that. <laughs> That's right on, man. And I was like, that, that is, there's so much wisdom in that because if I'm being honest, like my approach was always like, I'm going to make myself humble. And then there's that little bit of pride that sneaks in there right after. Yeah, we, you know, I'm, I'm convinced of this. It's interesting we're going here. But I, <clears throat> a lot of people wish that humility were kind of like a spiritual gift. You walk with Jesus and he makes you humble. Actually, humility is a choice. Every time you see humility in the scriptures, it's never the fruit of walking with Jesus. It's the choice. Uh, I love I love what uh, Murray calls it. He's, uh, he says, humility is the one virtue that gives birth to every other virtue. And humility is chosen. It's an act of the will. You can choose to humble yourself under God's mighty hand right now. Even as you're listening right now, wherever you are, you can humble yourself. 
And I think that's such a beautiful place to start out this podcast where we're going to be talking about seven resolutions that are going to help us lean into God's power and move away from this self-help myth. Because humility is that, that fertile seed ground to growing a spiritual life. Because you have to, like Jesus starts out the Beatitudes, let go of yourself. Be poor in spirit. Be broken. If you're going to start pursuing God, that humility is the place to start. So I'm so glad that we are starting here. Now, what I want to do next is I want to be able to, for people listening to this podcast, to start to identify what transformation really looks like. And so often we think of transformation as this instantaneous change. But my experience has been that transformation takes place over time almost like growing a tree in your backyard. If you measure that tree by hours and minutes and even days, you're going to get discouraged. You're going to get discouraged. Where you truly see the tree's growth is in years. Yeah. And you see moments like when the tree branches start to touch your house. <laughs> you're like, oh, this tree is really growing. Or maybe it's suddenly bearing fruit. Um, so talking about transformation moments, I would love to hear from you when we're talking about maybe humility, what is one moment where you realized you had changed? Probably one of the biggest moments of change in my life was when uh, my bride, I write this in the book, announced to me out of the blue mm. that she didn't love me anymore. Oh. Several, year, several years into our marriage and uh, knee-deep in ministry, a thriving ministry, I might add. Mm -hmm. A couple of kids, young kids, very little tykes, and my wife and I had learned how to be glorified roommates. By the way, afflicting too many spiritual leaders and people in Christendom all across the globe. Hmm. And we, uh, we became glorified roommates. and. I kind of knew that, but she felt it. Mm. And she had the courage to tell me one day, I'm scared to death because I don't love you. And I'm not leaving this marriage, but I don't love you. You know, I had a choice that day to place blame because Janan would tell you right now, she had plenty of stuff to change in her life. Mm -hmm. I had a choice to cast blame on my bride or... Look at the man in the mirror. God, by his grace, caused me to, to not be stupid. Mm. And he had me look at the man in the mirror, and that guy was looking like he needed some help. And on that day, God broke me about my addiction to ministry mm. and my addiction to workaholism and finding affirmation in the cheap stuff and not the most important stuff. God changed me, mm. radically changed me. And it was powerful. Hmm. And I love that that moment of humility is something that God brought to you. It's like humility is something that we receive from God. Yeah. And it's Big a time. place he leads us to. Big time. Now, one other part of this podcast that I really want to lean into is to have actionable items that people can take away from the podcast. Um, I'm not sure where I heard it, but how habits eat our good intentions for breakfast. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. No matter how hard you try, if you don't get good habits in your life, 
eventually it's going to fall apart. And so I want to start to think about how what habits can we introduce, God power habits, that are going to shape our life. And I'm curious if, as you think about what you wrote in the book, um, what is something that somebody listening to this podcast can start doing? Maybe it's small, maybe it's maybe it's something that's bigger, but what's a, a daily habit that they can introduce that when they start to measure their life in years, they're going to see that change? You know, early on in the book, and even if we're retracing some ground here later, it's okay. Um, I talk about broken systems, okay? Mm-hmm. And broken systems are those things that we do in this life that attempt to, um, do, we attempt to derive life from. And there's so many of these things. They're appearance focus, right? Their performance focus, it could be how you look, it could be how many hoops you're jumping through for God. It could be, um, it could actually be a comparison focus. I'm doing better than this guy over here. All of those broken systems, they will persist until you humbly quiet yourself before the Lord and say what David said, search me, know me, try me. See if there'd be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Every moment. Every day must have a moment where you are assessing your broken systems Hmm. and allowing God to examine your heart, see if you're attempting to derive identity from something other than God, and take what is broken and let God heal it. Hmm. How does that habit manifest in your life? I will get quiet before I drive into my garage because I'm about to walk into my wife. And I can either be humbled and filled with the Holy Spirit, or I can walk in in the flesh and be armed for bear, knowing that everything isn't perfect inside. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. It can be a moment. It can be mm-hmm. a. It can be elongated bunny trails in the Word of God, where you're going down rabbit holes left and right, and you're spending extensive time in the Word of God. I found this. There's no habit that is having the kind of worth that's going to change the spiritual trajectory of your life that you can do on the fly. Hmm. You got to have some time. Mm-hmm. So does it have to be a long time? No. Does it have to be significant and purposeful? Yeah. Hmm. And, and I, I look for every shortcut, Jeremy. I looked all over. I'm looking around here right now. <laughs> I can't find any shortcuts, yeah. dude. Yeah. It takes that intentionality to yeah. say this is this is when and where and how I'm, I'm going meet to meet with God. Meet with let God. Him examine me mm-hmm. and let Him examine me. And building that pattern into your life, it's like for you when that when you're at that garage door, taking that time. Yep. Um, so anybody listening to this, I would encourage you to take that to heart and really think about what part of your day can be consistent that you can have a examine of your broken system and think through honestly how your life is set up and turn that over to God and humility to pursue him. So thank you for joining us um, on this first podcast episode of the seven resolutions podcast. Uh, The next episode, we are going to do a deep dive into self-help. And as you can imagine, Carl may have a few strong words for us. So thank you for listening to the 7 Resolutions podcast, and we'll see you next time.